But uh, what we got started uh, talking about last week, several things. First of all, we established that God is the one who has final say-so, or should I say, he's the one who should have final say-so on where we go to church and who our pastor is. We also realize this, that men of God don't put themselves in a position of authority. We learn from the scripture that it's the Holy Ghost who makes them overseers. We learn from the scripture that it's the Holy Ghost who makes the determination to separate them to a ministry office. Of course, we mentioned that uh, (laughs) some got sent and some just got up and went. And so how can you tell the difference between someone who's genuinely sent and someone who just got up and went? And uh, we mentioned that the Holy Ghost residing in a believer gives you a a sense of whether someone is really called or not. As a matter of fact, it's kind of like this. If you've got multiple radios all tuned into the same station, those radios are going to pick up the same signal. And so if someone says they're called and they're really called and separated to an office by the Holy Ghost, then that very same Holy Ghost who lives in everyone else who's a believer is going to have a sense of that inside of them. Because you're not going to be tuned into the same spirit and get different signals. You're going to get the same information from the same spirit when you're tuned into the same spirit. Amen. We talked about divine connections. And uh, the, the uh, strategy that God has in mind to hook you up with somebody that has something that you need. And, and divine connections all over the Bible, we, we talked about several of them. But one of the greatest connections that the Lord makes in our life is a connection with a pastor, a shepherd, someone to look out for you, someone to oversee you. Not somebody to boss your life around and tell you what color car you should drive or anything like that. We're not talking about extreme things. But we're talking about something that's biblical and something that sounds. Someone with a responsibility from God to look out for you and to lead you down the right road. Amen. Amen. And everybody needs one. Everybody needs a daddy. Paul said, you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you have not many fathers. So we asked you the, the, the million-dollar question, who's your daddy? Because everybody needs a spiritual daddy. We also told you this, just don't go after what's hot. Because there are some things that seem hot at the moment, but it's really not. There, there are some things that look like the grass is greener on the other side, but, but when you get there, rather than thinking uh, you're getting green grass, you're really getting astroturf. You're getting a counterfeit for the real green grass of the word of God. So, so anybody that's getting antsy looking over the other side of the fence, you need to think twice before you jump that fence, let me tell you. We told you to look for character more than you look for charisma. You know, charisma is a wonderful thing. It's good to have it. But I'll tell you, character is a whole lot more important than charisma. Because if you chase charisma and don't pay attention to character... You end up getting something you think is a diamond and it'll be a cubic zirconia. Come on now. We also taught you that God's perfect gift 
flows through imperfect vessels. So the pastor that God assigns to you, he's not going to be perfect. However, there is only one perfect, and that is the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. So someone not being perfect should not hinder us from receiving him or her as the gift of God that they are. Your pastor is a gift from Jesus to be received. Ephesians 4.11 bears that out. That he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then uh, two things that we really focused in on last week is receiving your pastor and praying for your pastor. And and in line with receiving your pastor, we, we, we brought out this principle from the word of God that you receive from the one whom you receive. And uh, uh, to give you a quick example of that, over in Jesus' hometown, he went there. They did not receive him because they thought, well, we know your daddy, we know your mama, we know your brothers and sisters. Who do you think you are? So he was not received. And what does the Bible say? It said that he could not do many mighty works there. Because he was not received, they could not receive from him. But Zacchaeus, the little tax collector over in Luke chapter 19, he welcomed Jesus, received Jesus into his house. The scripture says he gladly received him into his house. And what happened? The word of God says, Jesus said it to him, salvation has come to this house. So, in the place where they did not receive Jesus, they could not receive from Jesus. But in the place where Jesus was gladly received, then he could be received from. Do you get it? All right. We talked about praying for you, Pastor. We talked about uh, praying that uh, uh, a door of utterance would be opened, that that he would speak boldly, that he'd have the uh, wisdom and revelation. The eyes of his uh, heart would be enlightened. That he would approve what is excellent. Be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we gave you scriptures on which those prayers are based. And we also reminded you that when, uh, when you pray for your pastor to have wisdom. And then he makes a decision that you don't agree with. We asked you another million dollar question. If you pray for your pastor to have wisdom. And then he makes a decision that you don't agree with. Do you still believe that your prayer was answered? Mm-hmm. Or is that when you say, and we also talked about, by giving you this one little rhyming statement that will take you a long ways in life. That if you come across something in the local church that you don't like, don't take it to the phone. Take it to the throne. Hey, hallelujah. Now that's the mature and the right way to handle something. Amen. You take it to the throne, you'll never go wrong. Amen. So we're going to pick up today. And we're going to, uh, I want to hit five things today. Uh, submitting to the authority of your pastor. Following the example of your pastor. Standing with your pastor. Keeping your commitments to your pastor and your local church and the responsibility of being financial supporters to the local church. Hey now. 
I feel God in this place. Go to Hebrews 13. Let's talk about submitting to the authority of your pastor. Um, for, for whatever reason, some people are scared when they hear the word submit because the, their automatic thought is some kind of cultic allegiance to somebody. Or, you know, they, they have thoughts about drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever. But uh, uh, we're, we're not talking about something that's strange and far out. We're talking about something that is absolutely Bible. And, uh, I mean, we could just plant right here for a long time, but, but I believe that what the Lord wanted us to do in this series is to give you an overview of some things. And uh, you, you can take some of these key points and do a study of it uh, all by yourself. But, but rather than obeying leadership, instilling in us this sense of, oh boy, uh, I don't know about that. You know, I, I, I believe that uh, the idea of obeying leadership should instill this in us and stir this up in us. First of all, a confidence in the God who called that man or that woman to be in your life. If you believe that you're hooked up by God to a pastor and to a local church, then that confidence in the God who called them needs to give you some confidence in, in your willingness and your ability to submit to them. And also, you need to have some confidence in God's own instructions. I mean, we need to trust God enough that if God's going to tell us to submit, that, that he's not trying to tell us to do something that's going to hurt us. He's looking to tell us to do something that's going to help us. So when you know the heart of God and you trust the heart of God, you don't have a problem obeying God. And when you have confidence in God and you have a confidence in his word and a confidence in the fact that he called somebody to stand in a certain office, then, then that is a non-issue. All those fears and concerns that someone could possibly have go right out the window. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Very interesting thing here uh, that I want to point out. It's that your submission to your pastor has everything to do with how he can do his job. So according to this scripture, when you read it carefully and you see what it's saying, it's saying that, that if you are submissive, then you put him in a position where he can do his job, which is watching out for your soul. He can do that with joy. But if you are not submissive to your pastor, then you put him in a position where rather than doing that with joy, he does it with grief. And then the Bible says here that if he's doing it with grief and not with joy, that it is unprofitable for you. Now, one thing we saw last week about the, the principle of receiving your pastor and also the principle of praying for your pastor is that both of those things don't just benefit the pastor, they benefit you. We just mentioned it this morning in our review. You receive him you get to receive 
from him. You pray for him to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What do you get in turn when he gets up and preaches and teaches the word? You get the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you prayed for him to have coming right back to you. You get the benefit. And same thing here. If you submit to your pastor's authority, you get the benefit. If you don't submit, you're missing out on the benefit. The scripture says that if he's doing uh, his job with joy, that, 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 let me rephrase that, if he's doing his job with grief and not with joy, that is unprofitable for you. So my advice to myself and to you is let's not shoot ourselves in the foot. Let's not be our own worst enemy and put ourselves in a position where we're not getting the maximum profit that we ought to be receiving. You want to receive the profit? How do you receive the profit? And I don't mean the P-H-E-T, I mean the P-R-O-F-I-T right now. How do you receive profit from the pastor, the man of God in your life? Well, very simple, you submit to him. When you submit to him, it puts him in a position where he can do his job with joy and not with grief. And when he's doing it with joy, then you get profit from it. On the flip side, like I said, if he does it with grief, there's no profit in that. Pretty clear, isn't it? Let's go ahead and forward. Uh, Let's talk about following the example of your pastor. Now understand this, we're not clones. We still have our own personalities. You know, uh, uh, the, the thing that is uh, common between us, uh, I guess the best way to say it is we, we got the same spiritual DNA. You know, I, 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 I think about this over in the book of Numbers. You can write this reference down, chapter 11, uh, verse 16 and 17. And understand the context in which this happened, what I'm about to tell you about. Moses was actually praying and complaining to God, said, I can't do this by myself. And you know what God said? God said, gather the elders of Israel together. (laughs) He said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to take the spirit that is on you and place it upon them. And you know, I'll tell you this morning as I stand before you, I am a believer that the sheep in the local church should have the same spirit upon them as their pastor has on them. I believe that's the will of God. And I believe that's for the purpose of the church accomplishing its mission. Because the universal church has its mission, but the local church has its mission. Have you realized that God does not give the same emphasis to every local church? Uh, One church may be stronger in one area and another one may be stronger in another area. You understand what I'm saying? So so there's nobody who just is the, the jack of all trades. You know, God's called different pastors with different strengths and different emphasis. And God's called different churches to have different emphasis. But, but, you know, let's look at it this way. Uh, let's say you got a church that is, um, has an emphasis on world missions. And you've got another church that has an emphasis on 
feeding the poor locally. You could have this scenario that those two churches are at odds with each other say, well, you ain't doing it right because you're not feeding the poor locally. You, you're, you, you don't have the, the, uh, uh, the food pantry set up downtown like we do. And the other church can say, well, you ain't doing it right because you're not reaching around the world to the uttermost parts of the earth. But you know, the, the real truth of the matter is both of those things are right. And the fact that God would place a different emphasis in one leader's heart and another emphasis in another leader's heart is not a bad thing. And do you also realize this? That the church who's emphasizing world missions and is supporting world missions and, and if, if, if they're not very strong in the area of having that local uh, outreach to the poor type of ministry, you know what they can do? They can partner with the ministry who is strong in that area. And, and, and the one who's strong in one but not strong in the other can partner with, can financially support and pray for one that's strong in another area. But, but it's, it's interesting. Sometimes we, we just have the idea that, well, all right, that you're not doing it like we do it, so you can't be doing it right. And I'm going to hop into something sooner than I thought I was going to hop there, but I'm going to hop there now. Do you know, to, talking about, uh, of course, we, we just read about Paul, uh, not, not Paul, Moses, and, and how God put the spirit that was on him, on the leaders. Well, do you know that Paul in his epistles talked about being followers of my ways, which be in Christ. An interesting statement. He, he said that he was sending Timothy to the churches that he had founded so that he could remind them of my ways which be in Christ. Now, understand this. Within the boundaries of in Christ, there are some different ways of doing things that aren't a matter of right and wrong. Because obviously, if it's in Christ, it's right. If it's out of Christ, it's wrong. But I'm talking about within the boundaries of being in Christ, there are different ways of doing things. There's even different styles within the boundaries of being in Christ. And you know what? It's okay. Someone say it's okay. You know, it's interesting, even in this church, Faith Christian Center, you look at the style of our founding pastor and the style of Pastor John, you see two different styles. And you know what? It's okay. <laughs> and and uh, sometimes I think we get caught up in things that we just don't need to worry about and get caught up with. But we have a responsibility as people that are being called to a certain place and people that are being called to, to serve under a certain pastor. We have uh, this responsibility that is that we ought to uh, not be chasing after the ways of the guy down the street or the guy across town. We ought to be following after the ways of our own pastor. Amen. Amen. That's it. Good. You see that? Paul talked about my ways which be in Christ. Which means in the context of the local church, in the context of Faith Christian Center, what we need to do as those who support our pastor and are following his leadership is we need not to 
be chasing after the emphasis of the guy down the road, but see what our own pastor is emphasizing. And thereby we'd be following his ways, which be in Christ. Well, aren't the other guys ways in Christ? Yeah, the other guys ways in Christ. The other guys a very nice man, a wonderful man. And he's pastoring the people that God has called to him and put under his charge. But if you're not one of those put under his charge and you're put under someone else's charge, you need to follow your own leader. That's just good old Bible common sense. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we're talking about following the example of your pastor. You know, uh, uh, let me give you two scriptures here real quick. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember those who rule over you and have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. Follow their faith, considering the outcome of their conduct. Of course, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, just to break it down as simple as possible, follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> And uh, so the, the importance of following the example of your pastor is so beneficial because, first of all, that's the one that God hooked you up with. So, so that's the one that God would expect you to follow his example because that's the one he's connected you with. And when God makes a connection, like we talked last week, he makes a connection with a very specific purpose in mind because he wants you to receive benefit from that connection. And so I I can't say enough about that, the importance of following the example of your pastor. You know, when you see him going down the, the road of life, doing what he's doing, making the decisions he's making, seeing how things are working for him, if you do the same thing, it'll work for you just like it worked for him. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, there's such wisdom in God. There's such wisdom in God that God does not make a mistake on his connections and who he connects you with and what church he connects with. He doesn't make a mistake. Now, we can. How many of you have before? Oh, Lordy. But God doesn't. And I tell you, what a wonderful thing to have confidence in God that if he's leading you in a certain way, even if there's something in your mind that says, "Uh, I think I should go over there. But you know there's something in your heart nudging you and you know it's the Holy Ghost saying, no, you need to be here instead of there. Well, then you just obey. I told you Pastor John's own story back in 1989. Well, when Pastor John was making a decision on where to go to church, Faith Christian Center was not his first choice. He, he had a, a, a church north of Boston. He was friends with the pastor. Thought it would be a perfect fit. But something inside, no flashing light in the sky, but just something in the side said, mm-mm, go to Faith Christian Center. And guess what? I think history has proven he made the right decision. So can you trust God? Hallelujah. Yes, you can. And yes, I can. And yes, we will. And we'll know that where he's leading us, where does he lead us? What does Psalm 23 say? That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me into green pastures. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You don't have to have any worry in the world about where the Lord's taking you. You know, if he's taking you there, there's some good green grass for you to be partaking in. Hallelujah. Thirdly, you have a responsibility as a believer to stand with your pastor. Look at uh, Numbers, uh, not Numbers, Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. This is something that I'd like you to read along with me. It's just a, a, a fascinating example of the body of Christ working together. The believer's responsibility to stand with their pastor. Exodus 17, let's start reading with verse 8. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. What an awesome thing to look at how these people stood with their leader. What an awesome example of everybody being in place. Because this was a victory for all of Israel. You know, somehow I, I don't think that we have enough of a close identification with the, with our church, with our body, our local body of believers. I believe that we need to understand that when something good happens to, to part of the body, something good is happening to you. I believe that we ought to have that sense and that connection. That, that, that if it's, if it's ha- good and it's happening to the body, it's happening to me because I'm a member of the body. If there's someone being blessed, I'm being blessed because I'm a member of the same body. If there's someone that got a promotion, praise the Lord, it's as good as me getting one. And Lord, if I need one on my job, you did it for them. I know you do it for me too, because you are no respective persons. But there's something about having that joy, uh, that, that sharing of joy and that, that sharing together of victories. This here was a victory for all of Israel. But how was that victory accomplished? That victory was accomplished because everybody was in place doing what they were supposed to do. You had Moses on the top of the hill, Pastor Moses, with the rod of God in his hand, holding up his hands so so that Israel would prevail. And then you've got Aaron and her 
faithful assistants, one on one side, one on the other, helping him to keep those hands up, knowing that while he was holding up that rod of God, as it's called, the, the same rod that, that by which God wrought many signs in the land of Egypt. That, that while he was holding up his hands that held up that rod, that Israel was prevailing. So Aaron and her, his assistants were right there helping him to do that. Joshua was down on the battlefield with others fighting against the enemy. Everybody was in position doing their part. And when everybody does their part, everybody wins. Glory to God. As a matter of fact, with Israel, by everybody doing their part, Israel prevailed and Amalek did not prevail. Well, in the context of the church, when everybody does their part, the church prevails and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. But how's that accomplished? What if Aaron and Hur took the day off? What if Joshua said, ah, you know what? I fought last week. I don't feel like fighting this week. If everybody's not in their place and doing what they're supposed to do, rather than this being a victory, it's a defeat. My, 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 do you see it? So if everybody being in their place matters, then you need to ask yourself, am I in my place doing what I'm supposed to do? And if you're not, then it's time to get there. And today's your day to be able to settle that with the Lord. He settled already. You need to get settled. <laughs> he settled. He's not unsure about what he wants you to do. He, he's not wondering. Now, he knows exactly what he wants you to do. You're the one who needs to settle on it. And you might say, well, Pastor Ray, I don't know what I should do. I really don't. Well, let me give you a, so, some good Biblical advice that, that if, if, you, if you can't figure it out, you can figure this out. Do whatever your hands find to do. What a great place to start. Because you know what? Uh, as, as If you just take that and run with it, you can get to the point where, where things become more fine-tuned and specific as far as your own calling and gifting. But how does it start? Uh, the perfect place to start is just by starting right where you're at, finding, just seeing something that needs to be done and getting in there and doing it. You know, it's amazing how people come across their gifts, how people recognize their gifts. I heard one pastor, a great teacher of the word out of California. He said, he said one, one way that, that you can recognize what your gift is is by what bothers you. And then he elaborated. He said, somebody with a gift for graphic design will, will, uh, will see some kind of brochure or some kind of publication that is not designed very well, and it will just bother them. I mean, they won't even be able to look at it hardly because it's done so poorly. Because they have something inside of them that can fix that problem, correct that problem. So, so you know... Uh, uh, sometimes what, what bugs you, like, like for instance, uh, uh, some, somebody who's uh, 
got a gift of keeping things clean and in good working order, and they see something that's out of order, they say, no, we can't have this. This, this has got to be clean. This has got to be working. This has got to be, you know. And, and, and so what bothers them is really a clue to them of what they're gifted to do. Isn't that interesting? But I want you to know that everybody doing their part is the road for a church to experience the ultimate victory that God designs for that church. Everybody in their place. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and uh, go into this a little further. The importance of keeping your commitments to your pastor and to your local church. So we talked about several things. We talked about submitting to the authority of your pastor, following the example of your pastor, and taking a stand with your pastor. Everybody being in place where they need to be, doing what they need to be doing. Keep your commitments to your pastor and your local church. You know, first thing, you got to make some commitments. You can't keep them until you make them. And some people are, you know, they know, well, if if I make a commitment, then I'll have to keep it. So I just won't make any. You think that's going to fly when you stand before the Lord? Do you actually think that's going to fly? I don't think so. So bottom line, first of all, you got to make some commitments. And I can tell you a good one to start with. Make a commitment that when the doors to this house are open, that you're going to be in the house. What a great place to start right there. I mean, you'd just be doing what Jesus did. You know, the gospel of Luke chapter four shows us that Jesus, as his custom was, went into the Sabbath, I mean, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And it said that that was his custom. So I just got to ask you, what makes you think that Jesus need to have a custom that you don't need to have? What makes you think Jesus needs to have a habit and we don't need to have that same habit? I'd say if Jesus needed to do it, I certainly do. And you know, the scripture shows us very clearly. As a matter of fact, you see, if you look at yourself just as an individual, then it won't matter to you. But that's, that's the whole idea. And I believe in the name of Jesus that the idea of you viewing yourself as an individual and nothing more has got to go and has got to die for good. Because you are not just an individual. You are part of something. And God has put you in the body where he is pleased to put you. So therefore, you are part of something. And if you are not around... Something's missing. If you are not around, then there's part of the body that's just not there. And the way a body's supposed to work, it's pretty simple. You didn't half of you <laughs> come to church this morning, the half of you stayed in bed. 
No, when you dragged yourself out of that bed this morning, you dragged all yourself out of bed. And you dragged all yourself into that car and you dragged all yourself into this blue chair you're sitting in right now. Well, it shouldn't be the same spiritually speaking. Hey. When we, when we need the, the, the full body in operation, should we have half the body or should we have the full body? The full body. Amen. So that's it. The, I, and, and I... Da, 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 da. I make a declaration here today, and I know I'm doing it with my senior pastor's blessing, that gone are the days of you looking at yourself as an individual only. You are a member of the body of Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Now, here's another commitment you can make. You can make a commitment to to do your part of the the job. To take your share of the load. How important is that? Because, you know, if if everybody's working and everybody's doing their assignment, as we saw there in in Numbers, how strategically everybody was in place. The the pastor was doing what he was supposed to do. The the men by his side doing what they're supposed to do. The people out on the battlefield doing what they're supposed to do. Is there a connection? There certainly is a connection. Because for a church to have maximum success, that's the the way to do it. To, To have maximum success is to have more and more and more of the body Carrying their own weight. Now, when you're a baby, someone can carry your weight for you. When you're just starting out, somebody can carry your weight for you. But God has an expectation of growth. God has an expectation that you don't just be content with being carried all the days of your life, but you realize a responsibility to grow and to do some carrying yourself. First of all, grow up enough to carry your own weight. And then after that, grow even further to carry your own and carry the weight of some of the new ones that have come in that now need to be carried themselves. You see it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is a responsibility. Let's not shirk our responsibilities. As a matter of fact, let's embrace our responsibilities. Let me give you a little quote from a, uh, an evangelist named Kate McVeigh, she said, ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. (laughs) And once you make commitments, keep them. Have integrity. Do what you said you're going to do. Are there times it's not going to be convenient? Absolutely, I guarantee you. I guarantee you ahead of time, there's going to be times that it's not convenient. But you know what? That is not your way out. Because, you know, this road is not about convenience. This road is about obedience. Hallelujah. You know, uh, the the scripture talks about John Mark. Sometimes he's referred to as Mark. Sometimes John. Sometimes John Mark. But it's talking about the same person. And uh, he was uh, initially an assistant to to Paul and Barnabas on one of their missionary journeys and then got to a certain point and he he jumped ship and went back to Jerusalem. 
and did not follow through on his commitment. But then the Bible also talks about Timothy. Talks about Timothy as one that Paul said, I've got nobody else like-minded. Talking to the church of the Philippians. I've got nobody else like-minded who will naturally care for your uh, state because everybody's thinking about their own stuff and not the things that belong to Jesus Christ. So I ask you the question, are you more like a Mark or more like a Timothy? Are you more like the Mark who, who made a commitment to do something and then jumped ship and went home? Are you more like the Timothy that Paul said, Whoo, I don't know if anybody else is doing it, but I know Timothy's doing it. My, my, my. Let that sink deep down into your heart. And when it comes to making a commitment, and in the context of the local church, making a commitment to enter into some area of service, how do you serve? Well, let me uh, remind you of Psalm 100 and verse uh, 2. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. (laughs) The psalm says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Wear a smile as you're serving. Glory to God. Also keep this in mind. This is Romans 12, 11 out of the New Living Translation. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Pretty simple. Romans 12, 11, New Living. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, This is what I call the high of serving. Because there's a joy and and an enthusiasm. There's a satisfaction that you can get out of serving in in, in the local body that you just can't get any other way. You know, a, a, a deep satisfaction inside of you. Why? Because you know you're doing what you're supposed to do. And it's a high that you just can't get any other way. You know, I, I, I remember 1 Corinthians 16, 15, Paul was talking about uh, the household of Stephanus. You might say, who's Stephanus? Well, you remember Stephanus from now on. This is what he said about the household of Stephanus. He said that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They were committed. As a matter of fact, the original King James uses an even stronger word. The the original King James says that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. (laughs) Imagine somebody coming to do their volunteer work for the Lord. And they're so excited about getting there. And someone said, what are you doing? Say, say, I'm going to go work for the Lord. What are you so excited about? I got to go work for the Lord. So excited about the work of the Lord that that you're, it's like you got to go get your fix because you're addicted to the ministry of the saints. Come on, somebody. I got to, I got to get my, my serving high. Come on now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Keep your commitments to your pastor and your local church. And finally, be financial supporters. 
of your local church. You know, it's often been said that when someone comes into the kingdom of God, you know, for, for guys who carry their wallet in their back pocket, they say, well, that's the last part to get over the fence, you know, when you're coming in. <laughs> but I just got to tell you, and I got to be straight with you. I got to be honest with you. Believers have a financial responsibility before God to their local church and other good works as well. But uh, uh, God's first priority for you is to take care of uh, uh, the the, the house that, that you are assigned to. Because you can give all your money to another wonderful ministry on the other side of the nation. And praise the Lord. They may be doing wonderful work for God. But, but if uh, you need a hospital visit, he ain't coming to see you in the middle of the night. But who would come and see you? Your pastor. One of his staff. As a matter of fact, you know, that reminds me of something. Understand this about supportive ministers, a pastoral staff. That a pastoral staff, those are not guys or, or, or ladies that, that have their own ministry. No, supportive pastors, assistant pastors are actually there for the purpose of helping the senior pastor fulfill his ministry. Amen? Amen. Somebody needed to hear that. I don't know who, but there it is anyway. Being a financial supporter of the local church. First of all, let me read this to you. This is uh, out of the uh, contemporary English version of the Bible. This is 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. It says, Church leaders who do their job well deserve to be paid twice as much, especially if they work hard at preaching and teaching. It is just as the scriptures say, don't muzzle an ox when you are using it to grind grain. You also know the saying, workers are worth their pay. Galatians 6 6 says, let him who is taught in the word Communicate or share with him who teaches in all good things. Why don't you go to Philippians 4? So the Bible is real clear here that those who are taught, as far as God is concerned, have an obligation towards the one who is teaching. Philippians 4. Let's start reading with verse 15. It says this, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. 
Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've been amazed over the years, and I'm not the first one to bring this out. Many have brought this out before me. That the uh, statement of verse 19 is in the context of a church who is giving. Which means that if, if this church is not giving and taking care of the Apostle Paul in the way that they were and contributing to his ministry the way that they were, I wonder if verse 19 would be there in Philippians, if not for that. Would God want to? Yeah, God would still want to. He'd still want to meet all their needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But the question is not whether God wants to. The question is whether that church had put themselves in a position to allow God to do what he wants to do. Which is obedience in giving. Paul was commending this church from the city of Philippi because they were aggressively taking the initiative, doing what needed to be done to make sure the ministry was taken care of. And that's right there in the Bible. And you know what else is in the Bible? Malachi 3. Go there. Malachi 3. We're getting ready to wrap this up. And I, I, I trust that uh, this has been a blessing to you. We're going to close out with Malachi 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory be to God. Verse 8 of Malachi 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. It says this, will a man rob God? Verse 8, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So the idea of the tithe is God's idea. And I guarantee you that it is not always convenient to do it. 
But I tell you, you've got the guarantee of God Almighty himself that when you give him the tenth, that's what the word tithe means, tenth. That's 10%. So if you're not good at math, that's $50 out of every 500, 100 out of every 1,000, 1,000 out of every 10,000, 10,000 out of every 100,000, 100,000 out of every million, and 1 million out of every 10 million, and 10 million out of every 100 million. And we keep on going, but I think you got it. And then on the flip side, it's a dollar out of every 10. (laughs) And when you do it, God said that you get to live under a, a heaven with the windows open and blessing poured out on you so much. There's not enough room to contain it all. When you give tithes and offerings. Why can I stand here and talk to you about that? Because I do this. So I don't mind telling you to do it. (laughs) It's in the word. You know, I don't have to worry about practicing what I preach here because I'm just preaching what I practice. And I know that this is the responsibility of believers. Because what's it about? God said it right there in Malachi 3.10. That there would be food in my house. It's about providing for the food in the house. First of all, providing for, for the pastor. So the pastor can dedicate himself to the word of God in prayer. So that he can provide a meal for you every week. That you can enjoy and and be blessed by. And also the fact that that so you can come into a a church and and have something to sit on and and lights above your head. Heat in the winter and AC in the summer. And and you know, there's there's a responsibility to the children of God to believers, to do certain things. And what did we talk about today? Let's talk about all of them. You receive your pastor from last week. You pray for your pastor. Then today, you submit to your pastor. You follow the example of your pastor. You stand with your pastor. You make commitments and you keep your commitments to your pastor and your local church. And then you financially support your local church. I guarantee you, not because I have some kind of uh, inside information, but I do have inside information. It's inside the book. (laughs) I, I guarantee you that if you do these things, you will be blessed 
and the blessing that you're putting out and sowing into your pastor's life and into the lives of others and into the lives of the local church, do you think you're going to do that and God not get you back? God's not going to be a debtor to anybody. God will bless your life. As you go ahead and pray for this man, oh, I'll tell you, you get the benefit of it. As you submit to him, what happens? You get the profit of that, just like we read today. You follow him, he's going in the right direction. You know what? You're going in the right direction too. You keep your commitment. Guess what? It's a, it, you know, sowing and reaping. You know, if you say you're going to do something and you do it, what's the harvest of that? That means anybody that's making a commitment to you that they're going to do something for you is going to keep their commitment. And you sow your finances into the kingdom of God by giving the Lord his 10%. And, and the offering of your own, the, the, the free will of your heart, whatever you and the Lord uh, decide on together. Because an offering is a discretionary amount. The tithe is defined as being 10%. An offering could be anything. It's, it's discretionary between you and the Lord. But when you do that, I tell you, God will hook you up. God will hook you up. And we don't have the time to go through all the places in the scripture that talk about God's promise to those who are givers. But I tell you, it's huge. And I tell you this, he ain't broke. (laughs) He ain't broke. And so when you do these things, you are not just the one doing the blessing. You end up being the one getting blessed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord.